The year is 1846. Gangs run rampant through Manhattan, and they control the neighborhood known as the Five Points. On one side, Priest Valen and his Irish dead rabbits. On the other, the natives, led by the merciless Bill the Butcher. Bill emerges victorious, and Priest's son returns 16 years later to have his revenge. In one of Martin Scorsese's most underappreciated and engaging films, 2002's Gangs of New York. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you are listening to Filmgasm. Happy Friday. Welcome to our connector to Wednesday's Shutter Island episode, the theme being the dynamic duo of Scorsese and DiCaprio. Gangs of New York is a phenomenal movie that tells the story of a forgotten chapter of American history, the gang leaders of the Five Points, and the true story of the New York City draft riots of 1863, in which Union soldiers opened fire on an unruly mob in New York City, killing 120 poor Americans and injuring nearly 2,000 others. With a runtime of nearly three hours, this sprawling epic covers so much. So what is your history with Gangs of New York? Gangs of New York. Oh, boy. This is a movie I saw before I knew that it was a Scorsese movie, you know? Um, yeah, my older brother, this is one he really liked. Um, I, immediately he showed it to me. and It was, you know, so intense. So, like you said, epic. So long. But, uh, you know, the movie doesn't feel that way because it's it, it has this pace that is pretty relentless and has two performances that are fucking unreal. <laughs> and, and, and one of those being like one of the best uh, performances of the century. Uh, D- Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, you know, the guy's, yeah, the guy's a fucking legend. I can't believe it's taken us over a hundred episodes counting bonuses to finally talk about Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, I do believe it <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's not in, he's not really in that much. And what he's in is very specific. You know, they're very, you know, well-chosen roles such as bill the butcher um you know obviously one that i think we both love is there will be blood uh you know last mohicans he's great in um my left foot but it's like this guy you know lincoln it's like this guy does stuff every four or five years and he's apparently retired after phantom thread uh but i you know this is the first time i saw him was uh bill the butcher yeah um i i did but you know i didn't know who he was really you know i didn't really understand who daniel day lewis was how he was, you know, known as one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, and then he goes on, you know, there will be blood in Lincoln where he, you know, <laughs> just, just, you know, shattered everybody at the, you know, during award season. And yeah, he's, um, he's this kind of guy who uh, really, when, when I look back at this movie, he's who I remember, but Leo's also really good in this movie. Um, we talked about him obviously with Shutter Island. It's uh, he, he's, he's so consistent he, and he's awesome in gangs in New York. Yes, he is. That, <laughs> That duo, Day Lewis and DiCaprio, Jesus Christ! I would. There's no way in hell you're gonna be, like, you're gonna measure up to those guys on camera. Like everyone in this movie is second, third banana to these guys, and I feel bad for them because there's a lot of great performances in this movie, but nothing comes close to those two guys. No, and even yeah, Leo doesn't come close to Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, seriously, I think Daniel Day, I think I think this and then I think Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood are like two as definitely from that decade, two of the best performances I've seen from that decade. No like hands down. Oh, the guy is on a completely different level. He's not even human what he can do with a performance. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. He's crazy, man. 
Jesus. So before we get into the film, let's talk a bit about the history behind it. Yes, the, for sure. I, I, I actually, yeah. this is something I don't know much about. Um, so I'm very keen on to hear what, what, what you have for us today. This is like the only movie that ever talked about this, about this time in history. Like, yeah. What was happening in the poor neighborhoods during the Civil War and just a city just r- ravaged by crime that nobody was doing anything about. Like this is New York City at its absolute worst. Like if you thought like taxi driver in New York City was scary, hold on to your fucking like just yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. So the setting of this film is a 19th century neighborhood known as the Five Points, named for the five corners created by the intersection of Orange Street, Cross Street, Anthony Street, and Little Water Street. All of these streets now are gone. They're all it's been paved over. The Five Points is basically just like another section of the of New York skyscrapers. Like it's nothing anymore. The area was run by dozens of gangs, all of whom wanted dominance over every aspect of the city. And there were just constant like Irish gangs, black gangs, English gangs, Italian gangs. Everybody had a gang. And one such gang was the Dead Rabbits, made up mostly of Irish immigrants. And they clashed mainly with the natives who were made up of so-called native inhabitants you know, natural-born Americans who believe the Irish were a blight upon the earth. And that is probably the biggest thing that this movie took from history is the hatred of the Irish. <laughs> yes. Which is ironic, considering Daniel Day-Lewis is a prominent Irish actor. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The shit he talks about the Irish, I'm laughing my ass off the whole time knowing he's Irish. <laughs> and uh, their leader in the film is Bill the Butcher Cutting. Inspired by the real-life gang leader, Bill the Butcher Poole. Regrettably, the real Bill the Butcher was not from the Five Points. He was killed long before the draft riots. He was not known to have killed anybody. He was a gang leader, and he was an actual butcher. But he was not nowhere near as ruthless and monstrous as the movie uh, portrays him. And I find it interesting that the real Bill the Butcher was not involved in any of this. <laughs> but he had such a cool name, they're like, let's take him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and use, yeah, use um, a costume that is just, he looks like a goddamn pirate sometimes. <laughs> His Fucking, like, you know, New York accent that comes yeah. through. He, he's like, oh my ah, God. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's terrifying. I know. And Dan, yeah, we could talk about Daniel Day all day. Yeah. He's, he's crazy. <laughs> Obviously he's like one of those guys who, you know, just locks into his character uh, the entire time. I just imagine like what how annoying he was on set <laughs> when the cameras aren't rolling and he's just like, you know, just still <laughs> talking like that. Oh, man. Dude, I feel bad for his wife. I, I feel bad for anyone who came in contact with him during any time he was shooting a movie. His wife had to live with Christy Brown, Bill the Butcher, <laughs> Daniel Plainview. Abraham, Abraham goddamn Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, something Woodcock. I don't remember his name in Phantom Thread, but all of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she never really had her husband. I don't think Daniel Day Lewis has an identity. I think he has a very fucked up psyche to be able to go that deep into a character. It's. I, I, I'm afraid. I, I don't know anything about the guy. Like who he is. I don't think anybody does. Oh no! Yeah, you know, there's. Uh, comparisons to like our uh, for Amer- for America, like Meryl Streep, very much just kind of like lives in her house and hangs out with her family, 
chills out with her husband, like lives a very normal life and is like, I don't really, you know. And Daniel Day Lewis is like even on a different level than that. He's even more of a really recluse than that. He, yeah, a lot of people just have no idea what his personal life is like. You have to really get on the internet and do research, which is amazing, you know, that, that he's like one of the five greatest <laughs> actors of all time. And we, we know nothing about him. It's, it's weird. Yeah. No, but, but I love it. I, I really do. It makes it so easy to just look at his art, look at his craft and leave it at that. And, and, you know, that's, that's what it is. Very true. Very true. I think if, I think if we did know about Daniel Day Lewis, it would take away from the work. Yeah, it always does. Right. It always yeah. does. Even though, even as much as I adore Leonardo DiCaprio, I know that there's like a part of his life where he, uh, is very hidden about like who he dates and he's dating a different person like every month. And he like doesn't allow them to post pictures of him and stuff like that. So it's like, eh, that's kind of weird, you know. And like, if we knew every little thing about every celebrity, yeah, it would it would make it hard to like digest what they make, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so the draft riots of 1863, they were started by the poor community of New York, mostly immigrants, who resented the fact that the rich were able to buy their way out of the draft for 300 bucks. And this was America's first ever draft started by President Lincoln after the Battle of Gettysburg during the Civil War. He instituted a draft. We needed more troops. The Irish felt they were being forced to fight a war they had no stake in. They were fresh off the boat. They were given a musket and told, go fight for the, for the North. They didn't know who the fuck the North was. They didn't know what this war was about. But they were on American soil, so they had to fight. So they resented that. I would resent that, too. Oh God, yeah. Well, yeah, and you not like you said, you don't even know like what the North is. You have no idea what the geography is of this place, man. Like you just like you said, you just got here. Yeah. So they responded in in kind and attacked the rich in the street, and they also attacked black people who they blamed for being the cause of the war in the first place. Well, well, well yeah. I mean, good lord, man. I mean, this the 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 Civil War is. Um, one of the most mind-boggling, you know, things that you can really go into as a human being and be like, really, people really, really fought for this, you know? It's, it's, it's really disgusting to look back that it's a part of our history, but it is. And it a is. movie like, and I like that you brought up that there's just not a lot of movies like made from this perspective. Yeah, it's a civil war movie that isn't a civil war movie. It's about the tone of the nation more than it is about the actual war. And I love that. We never see that of wars like this. We see a lot of films about like Vietnam and the war on terror in that vein, but never like this, never the civil war. And yeah. I think that's why this stands out to me is it's, you know, I'm a history buff. I've talked a lot about that on the show. So this one really like, sucked me in pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally understandable, man. Oh yeah. So because of these riots, like the entire Island of Manhattan was freaking the fuck out, attacking rich people, going to their homes, just like ripping apart their luxurious lives. They were attacking black people. So the Union Army was called in and opened fire and killed yeah. 120 Americans. Like this was in the middle. This was 1863. This was in the middle of the Civil War. Yeah. The Union was called back. Part of the army was called back to New York to kill its own people. That's Ugh. fucked up. <laughs> that is beyond fucked up. 2,000 other people were injured and they dissipated because you can't step up, you know, you can't stand up to that. And the draft still happened. They didn't change anything. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Fuck. And that's the, like, last third of the movie. <laughs> so now that we know some backstory, let's talk about the movie. Let's do this. 
Scorsese had been trying to make Gangs of New York since the 70s, but he lacked the Hollywood clout or the financing to get it made. Good, because if he would have made that back then, Daniel Day-Lewis wouldn't be in it. (laughs) Who would be in it is fucking bonkers. Well, well, Robert De Niro, I assume? (laughs) No. No? No? Brace yourself. Oh, boy. After Mean Streets and Taxi Driver, Scorsese bought the rights to the book The Gangs of New York, An Informal History of the Underworld by Herbert Asbury. Yeah. Originally, and this was his original plan, Scorsese intended Amsterdam Valen to be played by Dan Aykroyd and Bill the Butcher to be John Belushi. (laughs) That was the plan. (laughs) He wanted to, like, dramatize the Blues Brothers (laughs) and make Gangs of New York. Yeah. I thank the Lord that didn't happen. Well, what's uh, John Belushi's untimely death is what caused the project to fall apart. But this he was they were all fully committed to this. This was going to happen. What? Yeah, this was going to happen straight up. But Belushi died. And, 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 and was Chevy Chase going to play John C. Riley's character or what? What's going on? <laughs> oh, what my God. Hell. I don't National Lampoon's Gangs of New York. I don't know. Uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> SNL F, SNL presents. Yeah, what is Jesus. going on? Oh my god. That's that sounds insane. Think about it though. If that had happened, what movie would we be talking about today? <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know. man. That might have been a Scorsese one that fell through the cracks, my man. <laughs> that might have been the one that just like obliterated his career from the beginning because if he had done something like that at the start, Scorsese might have been a, like a two-hit wonder. Jeez, man. Sometimes things, you know, work out in a weird way. So he yeah. tried again in the 90s and was going to have Mel Gibson as Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> I can't picture this. <laughs> but get this. Willem Dafoe as Bill. Oh, that would have been interesting. That would have been, been very interesting. I, that would have been, been, been a weird movie, but I, I would have been down. Yeah. I, I am on board with anything Dafoe does. I thought you were going to say Adam Sandler and, like, Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god chris farley somewhere in there too you know <laughs> i can see chris farley as a kill the dead rabbits <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, I just watched that documentary last night i am chris farley oh and dude. Uh, it was so cool learning about his um like the origins of matt foley yes yes that was so crazy <laughs> He had it all like planned out already. Uh, great story, great uh, open eye opener of a documentary. I liked it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Uh, yeah, obviously Connor and I are massive, massive Chris Farley fans, massive Tommy Way fans, Black Sheep, SNL, all things, all things Farley. So yeah, that's I'm really glad you saw that. Me too. Me too. So that fell through as well. The '90s Gangs of New York finally. 2002, he was able to secure funding, and he got Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Day-Lewis, his third choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess this will be all right. Fine, I'll settle for the greatest living actor of our generation. All right, yeah, if I have to. (laughs) Oh, man. So, Oscar winner Daniel Day-Lewis may just be the most dedicated actor who ever lived. He's the only man to date, to win three Oscars for Best Actor for his performances in 1989's My Left Foot, 2007's There Will Be Blood, and 2012's Lincoln. 
He was also nominated for his performances in 1993's In the Name of the Father, 2002's Gangs of New York, and 2017's Phantom Thread. He's currently retired, but he's here's hoping he returns for something. He's on a completely different level than literally everyone else working today. And he came out of retirement once already for Gangs of New York. So if there's something that is so mind-blowingly original and can really challenge him as an actor, I have, there's no doubt in my mind he'll come back. Yeah, I just I, I wonder who who would entice him, because um, at this the point, only, yeah, the only but, director who can is Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, but PTA's next movie, we know for sure he wouldn't be in because it's about it's about like teenagers uh, in the San Fernando Valley area. So um, I don't see I don't Maybe see like a, doing that, but be a newcomer like I could see Robert Eggers doing something. I, yeah, I was just about to say maybe like um, even like, let's see. Uh, what's his name? Like Dennis Villeneuve, the guy who did Arrival and oh, yes. Blade, Blade Runner and all those, and he's doing Dune. Um, maybe if Dune works out, like you know, well, uh, maybe like yeah, who knows? Maybe Daniel he's, Day would be like, oh, I'd work with that guy. He seems more of maybe uh, Yorgos's speed. Oh, that would yeah, that would be a dream. That would be a dream. <laughs> There's so many incredible up and comers right now that. Daniel Day-Lewis has got to be – hell, the Safdie brothers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he – okay, so yeah, let me – real quick, we'll go on, yeah, on a little segue. So um, Daniel Day-Lewis texted Adam Sandler after he saw Uncut Gems. Daniel Day-Lewis saw Uncut Gems in theaters and texted Adam Sandler, good job. And, you know, Sandler, <laughs> and Sandler calls him – you know, he calls him Danny. <laughs> Jesus and I was, listen, I was listening to Adam Sandler in an interview, and he's talking about Uncut Gems and how he's like, yeah, this is, you know, one of the coolest things I got to be a part of. Yeah, I think there's like a connection there because Sandler has a connection with PTA because of Punch Drunk Love. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's a way that the Safdies' next film could have Daniel Day Lewis in it. That's a good call, man. I like that. <laughs> I can't believe Adam Sandler and Daniel Day Lewis are like buddies. PTA, That's man. So weird P- to me, man. PTA, uh, <laughs> those guys, uh, Tarantino has the same effect. They just like bring people together that you would never think would you know like be friends or yeah work together it's, like, it's crazy it's like it's like picasso and bob ross having coffee <laughs> it's just weird to me man yeah it's crazy man <laughs> crazy it's like two completely different worlds but it's not you know what i mean yeah it's so yeah. weird <laughs> so yeah we love daniel day lewis so we talked at length about leonardo dicaprio's career in our shutter island episodes we're not going to rehash all that so if yeah. you want to hear more about him feel free to check that out but he is fantastic as amsterdam valen Great, you know, hero to follow. He's got a noble cause. His father was murdered by a psycho gangster, and he wants blood. How can yeah. you not get behind that? Yeah, and, and Leo um, typically has the same haircut in most movies. Not <laughs> yeah. in Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York, he, he lets it flow. I like, I like the long hair look. I think it's a good look for Leo. Um, the costume design in this movie is fucking spot on. Oh, yeah. Spot on. And, Dude. and yeah, we, we talked about DDL, how he almost, I'm serious, he looks like a pirate at times because of his eye and that headpiece. But Leo, man, Leo embodies old school New York. Well, I love the, the set design is the goddamn star oh. of the film. He, Dude, the, yes. <laughs> recreating Civil War era New York is so seamless. It, it, feel, it doesn't feel like a set. It feels like, you know, somehow they got a camera back to 1863 and filmed this thing. It's... It's remarkable. It looks so good. Oh, yeah. Scorsese's always been so damn good at, um, like, paying attention to the details. Like, what kind of cups did they use during this time? What kind of, you know, clothes were they wearing? What were they doing? How were they talking? And it's always, you know, just masters at whatever world he's in. 
he just kind of picks it up and let's go. Hell yeah. I love Bill the Butcher's glass eye. That is such a I cool mean, touch. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about like, you know, little, little things. Yeah. That, you know, as you're saying, the score says he does, that is maybe his best like touch ever to, to go ahead and yeah. Like let's, let's give Bill the Butcher that fucked up eye. That's like the one of the eye, greatest. <laughs> the eye with the Eagle, with the yeah. Eagle. Oh, oh, dude. Fucking American right there. The worst <laughs> kind of American right there. And I love that Daniel Day-Lewis was so goddamn method. He learned to really tap that motherfucker with a real knife in that one scene where he does that. He really fucking did that. He had a cap over his eye and he was poking it with a knife and he learned how to do it without blinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's the shit. That's the shit we like. That's what we wait for, man. When we watch all these movies over and over and you watch them and watch them and you consume all this stuff. That's the shit you wait for. Like, yes. <laughs> uh, DDO poking yeah, a glass eye with a knife. That's what we <laughs> that's what we want. <laughs> oh, man. oh, so going back into the cast, uh, Cameron Diaz plays Jenny Everdeen pickpocket with a heart of gold. Diaz has also since retired from acting, but some of her more well-known films include Charlie's Angels, the good one, The Mask. There's something about Mary being John Malkovich and the Shrek franchise as the voice of Princess Fiona. And I remember you telling me uh, that you think she's the weakest part of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even a I'm not a big fan of that's the storyline between her and Amsterdam, really. Um, I, as, yeah. I've, as I've watched it, like, you know, more as an adult. When I first saw it, I was like, you know, it didn't really matter. Cameron Diaz is gorgeous. You don't really. You, but as time goes on, you're just kind of like, ah. I know which parts of this movie like really, really hit. And it's not necessarily Cameron Diaz's fault. She's going up against yeah some legends. And I just don't think the character is that good. Like um, I'm not even sure what actress could have like pulled that off. If you know what I mean, it just doesn't seem like the greatest, um, greatest setup for her. Well, I think her character exists solely so that Johnny can react to her spurning his advances and freak out and tell Bill what Amsterdam's really doing. I feel like that's why she's there. Yeah, yeah. Because other oh, yeah, than that... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, she does kind of have to be there. But yeah, it's not... I don't know. I, don't I know. agree. She doesn't really serve much purpose beyond plot device. Yeah, this movie... I'll just say this movie's close to being, like, perfect aside from a few little things. And that's one of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Cameron Diaz has never really done it for me anyway as an actor. I don't really think... Yeah, she's... yeah. Me neither. Yeah. She's more uh, of a movie I... star. Yes, that's a great point. I mean, I love Charlie's Angels. I know you're a big fan, too. Um, But it's not the acting in that movie. That's like it's it's more like, again, the production design, the costumes and just the the style, the style of it. You know, the style, the the tone, the Rockwell. It's it's all, you know, all sorts of stuff. It's just fun. Yeah, it's just fun. (laughs) Uh, Oscar winner Jim Broadbent plays Boss Tweed, the politician who had New York City in his pocket. Real life character, Boss Tweed. Broadbent won his first Oscar for his performance in 2001's Iris. Some of his other work includes Moulin Rouge, Game of Thrones, Hot Fuzz, and the Harry Potter franchise as Professor Slughorn. Yes. I love Jim Broadbent to death. He is one of my favorite English character actors, and I, whenever he pops up, I just get happy. Yeah, I, I think that's the best the best way to put it. Is I, I, I'm just get kind of a little bit giddy when he's on the screen. It's like, oh, yeah, all right, yeah. Slughorn. <laughs> he's my, hands down my all-time favorite performance of his is Hot Fuzz. Oh, uh, yeah. I think we, we were talking about that movie the other day. We can, we got to do that soon. I was watching it at, at work and I thought, you know what? This would be perfect for the Wicker Man. 
Yeah. I love, love Hot Fuzz. Inspector Frank Butterman. Oh, <laughs> that movie is full. I think Hot Fuzz might have the smartest script ever written. Wow. That's the a movie is the dialogue flips itself constantly. That is so difficult to do, but the movie pulls it off so flawlessly. It's a mirror image of itself. All right, I won't get ahead of myself because I want to save that for the inevitable Hot Fuzz episode, but I am so <laughs> entranced by that movie. And yeah, I could watch it all day. It's one of my all-time favorites. That's awesome. But Jim Broadbent plays a real piece of shit in this movie as Boss yes. Swede. Yes. <laughs> uh, Brendan Gleeson plays Monk McGinn, Irish badass. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna have a movie about Irish gangs, you better fucking cast Brendan Gleeson. Yes. Also a Harry <laughs> Potter, uh, Harry Potter contributor. Yes. Gleason is a fantastic character actor, pops up quite a lot. Some of my personal favorites include In Bruges, 28 Days Later, Mr. Mercedes, and the Harry Potter franchise as Mad-Eye Moody. Yes. Have, have you gotten a chance to check out Mr. Mercedes? No, I have not. It is such a neat show. I One know, of the I best adaptations yeah. of King's work ever done. And it's such a hard show to find. I hate that because I want more people to see this show. Yeah. It's on AT&T Audience Network, which who the hell has that? <laughs> and the DVDs are so hard to track down. I I have the first two seasons. It took me fucking forever, but I have them. And it's just, it's a great watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't even, uh, speaking of Stephen King, I haven't even gotten around to The Outsider yet. So, you know, I've, uh-huh. TV, yeah, you know me, uh, TV is like always on the back burner compared to watching films. I just kind of, when, when the time comes then I'll start watching TV, but I, I don't really like seek it out unless it's like a week to week, like better call Saul, you know, I make exceptions for Stephen King's work. Yeah. 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 And, uh, stuff I get obsessed with. Like currently my plan, my finisher plan is twin peaks. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I need to see that through to the end. I've put too much time and effort into it to just let, let the last like eight episodes go away. I need to see this. <laughs> I know I'm not going to fucking like it, but I have to see it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, good luck, man. Yeah, I think it's been a drag for you, so. Oh, fucking David Lynch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he needs a counterpoint. <laughs> he needs somebody to say, like, yeah, this is this looks cool, David, but we need a story. Instead, he has Mark Frost, who's like, ah, oh, I think this would be weirder. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing about the return. Nobody was in his ear. No Nobody. one. No one. And you can tell. <laughs> this is the only time where I've ever thought, like, this needed some suits to interfere with. <laughs> <laughs> I need, like, an ABC executive to be like, dude, what the fuck is this? There's a reason for the term industry. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand. I mean, I love I love it to death. It's one of my favorite seasons of TV, but I get it. It is, it is, it's a slog sometimes. <laughs> Fucking Dougie Jones. Right. Well, can you imagine watching that if you hadn't seen Twin Peaks? Because so much of it is fanfare, you know? And Who the fuck uh, watches that without having watched Twin Peaks? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what? yeah, who, who, you know, there's got to be somebody out there. Who the fuck? He's like, oh, this has really good ratings on IMDb. I think I'm going to check it out. And they're just completely lost. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we love Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Oscar nominee John C. Riley plays Irish traitor Happy Jack, the policeman. 
Yes. Riley was nominated for his performance in 2002's Chicago. Some of his other films include Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, Wreck-It Ralph, Carnage, Boogie Nights, and We Need to Talk About Kevin. Riley is so good at straddling the line. He can do comedy. He can do drama. The guy is awesome. He's so underappreciated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, he's in Magnolia. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. in my favorite. He's in my favorite movie, and one of my favorite roles uh, in that movie. He plays that cop, um, and he has these like he's constantly like, narrating over his day, and he's doing these voiceovers. But I didn't see that until I was like seventeen or eighteen. So I always knew him, like you said, as the comedic like Step Brothers and Talladega Nights, because that's what yeah. I grew up with, right? Um, so when you see how he's able to go from yeah this like you know, monkey acting, ridiculous, like character who's complaining about his drum set nonstop. And then he can be in Boogie Nights where he's like, oh, man, this character has some fucking layers to him. You know, um, it really is. Like you said, his range is actually more impressive than I think people will ever give him credit for. Um, be- probably probably because he you know took part in Will Ferrell's, you know, j- massive, massive, you know, where he took over comedy during the early 2000s. Yeah. And John C. Riley, John C. Riley kind of wrote his wrote his you know coattails, but yeah. John C. Riley's John C. Riley has his own like kind of filmography that you can look at and be like, wow, this guy has been all over the goddamn place and still does it. I mean, just a couple years ago, he was in Sisters Brothers, awesome movie. He's great in that. Uh, yeah, he can do everything, man. I, my all-time favorite will forever be Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Oh my god, dude, Walk Hard <laughs> is so underrated. One of the funniest goddamn movies of yes. the 2000s that nobody Agreed. really gave a chance to. And no. it, it makes me because, laugh. Hard. Yeah, it's it's like if he's not with Will Ferrell, people are like, ah, you know, eh. which is such a damn shame. <laughs> and you yeah, never guy... once paid for drugs. Not once. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most quotable films. Yes. Oh, I, love, I love Walgard. Have you seen Cedar Rapids with him and uh, Ed Helms? I have not. Oh man, he's great in that. Yeah, yeah. He again, he if you look at his IMDb, you're like, oh my god, there's like a movie every year, and most of them are good. <laughs> yeah, a lot of indie stuff. He doesn't pigeonhole himself. He'll do. No. He does everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson. He's worked with Adam McKay. He's worked. Yeah, he's you know he he'll do anything. <laughs> right on. Finally, Oscar nominee Liam Neeson plays the brief but important role of Priest Valen. Yes. Neeson was nominated for his performance in 1993's Schindler's List. Some of his other films include Batman Begins, Michael Collins, Rob Roy, Kingdom of Heaven, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and the Taken franchise. Liam Neeson is an international treasure. That man is such a joy to watch. <laughs> I love Liam Neeson. Can I be honest? I don't love Liam Neeson. Ooh. Uh, so okay right. well, well well uh just just give me like because those movies you named i'm just there's not that many of them that i'm like too fond of okay. um i think my favorite that he was in or my favorite performance of his is silence and after that it would probably be widows um i think schindler's list is really good but it's also so damn long and uh has some dull moments in my opinion um yeah. i know the point i know the point of the movie is to be you know poignant and thought-provoking but uh, yeah, so like, what what do you love about Liam Neeson? I love Batman Begins. I love Michael Collins. I love that for some reason he was embraced as an action star. I don't really know why, but I'll take it. Um, 
And I just I I like his voice. I like his demeanor. And I think he brings a kind of calmness to a lot of his movies. He plays a great mentor. And uh, yeah, I just he's been one of my favorite actors since I was a kid. And uh, yeah, I just I, I, I love the guy. I'm willing to give him a chance every time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, I also hate, 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 hate the Taken movies. I think they are uh, uh, like detrimental. I think they're terrible. And like you said, he's like known as an action star. I don't know why. I really don't know why. This is interesting. I didn't expect this to happen today. Yeah, I, I, I really, <laughs> I really don't. I, I, like, I, I actually don't know if I could come up with like five roles that I'm like, oh my God. really, really into. I really can't. Because he's not in this movie. He's not in this movie enough for me to, yeah, for me to like, you know, like love this. Performance. Liam Neeson is your Ethan Hawke. <laughs> oh, don't go there. <laughs> now oh. it's my mission. Now I have to get you to realize well, the I've greatness of, of Liam those. Neeson. <laughs> I've seen all of those, and I just don't like them. Have you seen what's that one called? The Wolf or the Gray or the Gray? That movie sucked. I loved the Gray. I thought that was cool. <laughs> Yeah, I hated the gray. Um, it wasn't about the wolves. It was about man's like, yeah. need to bond with nature and find yes. himself. Yeah, and by the end, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I learned something about myself, too, but I, just, I don't think he sells anything <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> That's oh, hilarious. Boy. That's is, great. Wow, okay. <laughs> there, not even Batman Begins? Like, his... He, he's, no, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's great, in, great in Batman Begins. Okay. Great okay. in Batman Begins, yeah. And, he, and he's great in, uh, like I said, I think he's great in silence. Like, great. That is an awesome, awesome, like, ballsy performance. Uh, but after that, man, I don't know. It's like there's a big drop-off for me. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so your favorites are Begins, yeah. Michael Batman Collins. Begins, Michael Collins. Um, I, lo- I liked Love Actually. Uh, um, yeah, I don't, see, I'm not a big fan of that movie either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, not really his, it's not really his fault in that one. <laughs> I went in expecting to hate that one, so I, I I found it endearing and I it was charming and cute and I liked that. I went into it thinking like, oh, this is like a you know rom com classic, like I have to see it because it's one of those. And yeah, I don't know. I came out kind of like, why? <laughs> have you ever seen Dark Man? No, I haven't. I've heard that's pretty good. Yeah. That's early Sam Raimi with Liam Neeson playing like a a kind of borderline psychotic superhero. I'll tr- I'll try that out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll save that for an episode because I think you would dig that. Cool, cool. All right, Liam Neeson. All right, I I learned something. He, he also, today. yeah. There's also other stuff off. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe we could talk about some other time off screen stuff. But you know, that's uh, yeah. Neither here nor oh, there. Oh shit, I remember that. Okay, yeah. that's that, not too. Right. That makes that sense. Was, then. That one, that one was not. Yeah, that was that one. That that was different. That one. <laughs> yeah, I remember when. Okay, <laughs> it's all coming together now. Okay. But it's but it's I'll be honest, it's mainly the work like the work is just not all the way there for me. There's like three or four that I like and that's it. Fair enough. He has been in doing paycheck gigs for quite a while now. Uh, so Gangs of New York has an IMDb score of seven point five Rotten Tomatoes score of seventy three percent. And it was a decent success, grossing one hundred ninety three mil on a budget of one hundred mil. <sighs> Hefty budget. Yeah, no kidding. It was nominated for 10 Oscars. Woo! Best Picture, Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis. He lost to Adrian Brody. I can't fucking believe that. Best Director. Yeah. Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Original Song for the U2 track, The Hands That Built America. And 
2002, I guess, just was not. What, I think Chicago kind of swept everything. Yes, yes, yes. Except for director and actor, which went to the pianist. And I don't. I think this is pretty. But I think this is way better than Chicago. Oh, I think Gangs of New York is better than Chicago and the pianist. I do um, like Chicago, but it's uh, yeah, not it's good. Picture. It's good. It's entertaining. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I, when I look back, yeah, I just think gangs is a uh, more powerful. There's gotta be some other stuff from 2002. Two towers. Oh, duh. Yeah. I was going to say Lord of the Rings <laughs> to me is better than all of those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> two, 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 yeah. I, I think fellowship two towers and they should have just fucking took them all. Best picture, man. That would have been insane. <laughs> but, the, but they, they were like, oh, we'll wait for the third one. We'll give it to them then. <laughs> Cause it'll, it'll pan out. <laughs> One day we're going to have to do just a big old Lord of the Rings episode. Yeah, but the thing about that is, my only issue with that is, is do we include The Hobbit or do we not? Well, we didn't include Fantastic Beasts for the little Harry Potter episode. So maybe we do a separate thing for The Hobbit. Yes, yeah, so we just do this, the three that, yeah, Fellowship, uh, Two Towers in Return. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah, because it's its own long story. You could seamlessly cut those together. It's its own thing. Yeah, so we yeah. should definitely give those special attention. Yes. All right, cool. Planning for the future. So let's get into the plot of Gangs of New York. So we open with Priest Valen, Liam Neeson, shaving dry with an old rusted straight razor. He cuts <laughs> his cheek, hands the blade to his son, who's going to wipe the blood off, and Priest says, leave the blood. The blood stays on the blade. <laughs> he puts away the blade in a black pouch. They tell, they say a prayer to St. Michael. And they march out of the cave with an army of Irishmen. <laughs> what is going on here? They meet they meet up with Monk, Brendan Gleeson, who says he'll fight as long as he gets paid for every notch on his club. Every time he kills somebody, he puts another notch in the club, knowing you know, that the way they, you can know how much to get. Monk agree, uh, Valen agrees to pay him 10 bucks for every new notch. He picks up his club, kicks open the door, Paradise Square, the five points of Manhattan. Valen and his gang, the Dead Rabbits, as well as a whole bunch of other immigrant gangs, unite in the in Paradise Square to confront the natives, led by Bill the Butcher. <laughs> Already you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, this, this might be, aside from like the, uh, the climax of the movie, the peak of the movie, this might be my favorite scene. Because it's essentially the same thing, right? Uh, we essentially are seeing full circle at the end of the film. Valen gets to, you know, Amsterdam gets to come back. And so the beginning of this film, in hindsight, is like just fucking breathtaking. And I remember when I first saw it as a kid, like you said, you're just like, what's going on? Like, this is so intense. <laughs> the, like, like, what, are they, yeah. what are they about to go do right now? <laughs> the like out of tune flute music and oh like, dude everyone's yeah. like dressed in rags with weapons yeah fuck man <laughs> oh and, and and john c Riley, you know you, you see him there with his with his fro and you're like that guy's intense what's going on yeah it's great and, man and they meet in the snow and then there's just this like red baron looking motherfucker with cleavers <laughs> like what the hell and he's like this battle will decide who rules the five points bill's people are in protest of the Irish, the Protestant and priests, his Irish Catholics, same old fucking, you know, Protestant and Catholic war. It's been going on for hundreds of years now. Cause fucking Henry eight had to have another wife. 
<laughs> That's the whole fucking reason we have that problem. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't believe people hold on to that knowing that that's why like this is not a mystery this isn't like thousands of years ago when a bunch of dudes in the cave wrote a book this is recorded english history <laughs> henry the eighth wanted to get divorced he couldn't do it as a catholic so he started his own fucking church <laughs> and now we have millions of dead bodies over hundreds of years to account for that like, just the whole protestant catholic thing just pisses me off <laughs> i'm sorry back to the movie Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, Valen says that he's tired of being harassed by Bill. He's tired of his Irish people being, you know, beaten and killed in the street by the natives. So, they're going to take Bill down once and for all. Free the five points for everybody. <laughs> I love it when they zoom in on Bill's face and you get that image of the, the glass eye with the eagle on it. Like, <sighs> Like this is a mother. This is an asshole right here. This is a yeah. monster. <laughs> He's fighting with cleavers. That is yeah. unbelievable. He just whips out meat cleavers and is ready to go. <laughs> Who is this guy? This motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And they just you know run at each other, and they just start fighting. It's a fucking war. And Monk is like hitting people in the head with his club. People, you know, people are getting stabbed. People are getting beaten. Bill and Priest find themselves, you know, facing each other in the battlefield, and Bill gets Priest, stabs him in the chest like four or five times. Valen falls to his death. Bill says, you know, look who I got. You know, it's done. And uh, <laughs> they start dispersing. Bill's like, you know, we won. Priest is dead. Uh, Priest's son, Amsterdam, goes over to comfort his dad tells him priest you know stay focused and you know be a good lad bill finishes him off bill says you know pick from the dead what you want but no one touches priest his weird code of honor comes up a lot in this movie bill it's i think a lot of that is daniel day lewis i think it's his idea because i think he wanted bill to be more than just a clear-cut villain he wanted him to have layers yeah and I love that because it really makes Bill seem more of a human character instead of just this, you know, boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it said in one of my favorite shows of all time, The Wire, Omar always says, he says there's there's a code. And I think that's that goes around, you know, when you're when you're in the like in the game and you're a gangster like Bill, there's there's a certain point where it's like there's a code like that's that's a man. I took him down fair and square. But that's it. You know, we leave them there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love when that I love when gangsters and, and villains are uh, have layers like that to them. So cool. Well, they need that. Otherwise, you know, how are you going to relate to these people? Yeah, it's it's either that to me. There's like one or two ways to go about it. Or you can have a villain like a like a uh, this is a weird shout out, but I just watched it on Mulan. Sean, Yu. Sean, mm. Yu only pops up, you know, in very vital moments and doesn't say a lot. But, you know, he's an evil motherfucker. Because the way he stares at people and how he just wants to, you know, take over everything. But a character like this, who's going to be on the screen a lot, we, like you said, we need those layers because he's going to be there all the time. So we don't want him to be some evil guy who has no rhyme yeah. or reason. Yeah, he's not, he's not, you know, Bruce from Jaws, you know. <laughs> There's times where I like Bill. There's times where Bill makes me laugh. There's times yeah. when I'm scared to shit of the guy. There's times when I want him dead. There, you, 
you have such a wave of emotions for Bill the Butcher in this movie. And I think that if anybody but Daniel Day-Lewis played him, we wouldn't have gotten that. I think anybody else would have just played him as a straight-up psychopath. But Bill brings him down to earth. I mean, uh, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis brings him down to earth. Yeah, we, and honestly, if he wasn't in, we, we, we might not be talking about this one today. Very true. Very true. We'll be talking about that time where the Blues Brothers made a terrible career decision. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or we would have chosen a totally different Scorsese movie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so Monk goes through Priest's pockets and grabs something. Amsterdam is pissed and never forgets this. And uh, they start hauling Priest priest's body away bill's men ask what they should do with the boy bill tells him put him in a school so he can get a proper education an american education amsterdam grabs the knife from his father's chest threatens bill's men and takes and get takes off runs through the brewery amsterdam's friend jimmy hits one of them in the in the shin knocks the man to his feet amsterdam runs down to the cave opens a compartment and places his father's medallion and dagger inside and uh, Bill's men grab him. He ends up in prison. Outside, Priest's body's placed on a cart and wheeled away. We zoom out. The year is 1846. Sixteen years later, we meet grown-up Amsterdam Valen, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's being given a blessing and a Bible by a priest. He's leaving Hellgate, an orphanage. As he leaves... As he leaves the place, he immediately throws the Bible over the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is not a man of God. This is a man of revenge. That is all he has on his mind. For 16 yeah. years, he's wanted to kill the man who killed his father. Yeah, from a boy, I would say, what, 10 years old to, yeah, to like a mid-20s, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be like you or I, 16, 15 years ago watching our father die, we're like, yeah, I'm going to go back and kill that guy now. Like, now. Yeah. <laughs> Holy spent, shit. <laughs> yeah. Spent the last 16 years in an orphanage thinking of nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus. So Amsterdam's narrating, talking about, you know, history as of now, says that during the Civil War, New York was a city full of tribes, rival gangs competing for control of the five points. Bill the Butcher is walking to the office of Boss Tweed, running for, I think it's mayor, and uh, Tweed's discussing how they can get more voters and municipal services for the poor. Really, it's all about, look, you know, it's politics. Politics have never changed for, in 100 years, 200 years. Like, it's always been about, you know, looking like you want to help, but in reality, filling your pockets as much as you can. Yes. Nobody gives a fuck about the poor. Nobody has ever given a fuck about the poor. Yeah. Sad, but it comes to Amsterdam walking on the docks as... We see hundreds of Irish disembarking a ship. The immigrants are harassed openly by Bill's men. <laughs> Bill's One of the guys throws something at an old Irish woman, hits her in the face, yells at her to get back on the boat. Another fucking thing we never learned from. We still harass immigrants. That, is never, that hasn't changed either. No. No, no. This movie's a hell of a fucking eye-opener <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> Amsterdam passes him by, is greeted by a man who welcomes him thinking he's an immigrant he offers him bread reminds him to vote tweed <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole vote for donley <laughs> hi folks vote for donley <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> well see that's what i'm thinking because you said that thing about 
gangs almost being made in the in the 90s. Yeah. If Chris Farley would have been it. <laughs> oh, for <boy>. Tweedy. <laughs> oh, man. So Amsterdam is also asked to join the army, to draft, join the draft. But he refuses that. And other Irish are offered money, three meals a day, and only if they join right away and ship out. They are literally right outside the ship that comes in and telling them to get on another boat, which then takes them to the war. And in exchange, they get money and three meals a day. And to a lot of people, that was enough. That's all they needed, all they wanted. Yep, yep. The guarantee that you're going to eat today. So if you had to go fight a war for that, it was worth it. But sick that they would just like stand outside an immigrant boat recently arriving and say, hey, three meals a day, get on that ship. Like, what the fuck? That's some like, you know, 16th century pirate shit. Yeah. Welcome to America. Yeah. Jesus. So Amsterdam makes his way to the cave from the first uh, from the beginning of the movie, opens the compartment. He takes out the dagger and the medallion. He's interrupted by Johnny, played by Henry Thomas. Yeah. BT and the new Jack Torrance from Dr. Sleep. Yes. (laughs) Cool. And he and his partner, Jimmy Spoils, played by Lawrence Gilliard Jr., uh, Bob from The Walking Dead, for you Walking Dead fans. He's the guy who got his leg eaten off by the cannibals. (laughs) Grizzly. And uh, they interrupt. They try to kill him. But Amsterdam knocks him out, knocks out. Jimmy breaks his nose. Johnny pulls a knife. Amsterdam turns out. Like, turns against him. Johnny sees the medallion and is like, hey, it's you. The priest's son. So the legend of Priest Valen has kind of stayed alive in this neighborhood for 16 years. He's the one who brought all the the Irish gangs together to fight the bad guy. And even though he died, he became kind of a martyr. And now, you know, the return of, you know, the Valen bloodline is like here to, you know, restore order. A lot of these people see Amsterdam as the, the one true... Hero who can finally take out Bill and restore order to the five points. And uh, it's not that simple, regrettably. Amsterdam leaves the cave. Johnny comes after him and is like, hey, you know, I got to show you around. This is your, you know, things have changed. And uh, Johnny tells him about how Monk owns a barber shop. And Bill celebrates Priest Valen's death every year by drinking a glass of booze that he lights on fire. It's that's. Jesus Christ. Talk about rubbing salt in the wound. Just every year. Like, remember that hero of yours that I killed in cold blood in the middle of the street? Let's celebrate it. Oh, my God. Let it go, Bill. Yeah, come on, Bill. You know what I think that is? And I I think this comes up a bit in the movie. I don't think it's so much as digging salt in the wound as it is Bill holding on to the last day of glory he had. Well, yeah, okay. That's a great point because I think Bill, like a lot of great – great anti-heroes, great villains needs a good challenge, needs a, a yeah. actual, needs an actual opponent. And like you said, there's been 16 years where these people are like, uh, we're waiting for like the bloodline, the Valen bloodline to come back to like lead us because they didn't have enough balls to just do it. So I look at, I, yeah, I look at Bill he, where he's looking around like someone, please like come challenge. Like he's kind of like the Joker, like, come on. Like I want it. Like I want you to challenge me. I want you to beat me up. I want you to shoot at me, stab me. Like, let's do this. Yeah. But but no one's nearly as crazy as him. So when you step in the ring with him, he's going to beat you unless you're as crazy as Valen. So. And 
even like when Bill does discover that Amsterdam's trying to kill him, he has so many opportunities to just cut Amsterdam's throat and be done with it. But he doesn't. If anything, he makes him more determined to take yes. him down. He yes. builds his own enemy. Yeah, because he, he want like yeah, it's kind of like remember in Itch of the Killer where he's like, I need this yeah. pain. I yeah. need you to. I need like competition. <laughs> That's amazing. Up, but it makes I, sense. I, yeah, but like I love that. I love sports. I love like great people, like competitors who are like, bring it on, man. Like, let's do this. And that's what Bill is. Bill is like the Michael Jordan of, you know, of the five points. <laughs> True. He's had 16 years of people just bowing to him and kowtowing, doing whatever the hell he says. He misses the challenge of priest. He misses yes. having being a gang leader, fighting for blood in the street. That was who he is. And he wants that back. <sighs> oh, oh, boy. Amsterdam will bring it. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, this story really is just like classic. The way it builds, the tropes it uses, it's perfect. You know, it's, it's so well done. Oh, for sure. So Johnny is bumped into by Jenny Everdeen, who introduces he introduces her to Amsterdam, and she uh, she takes she steals Amsterdam's watch. <laughs> yes, she does. She's a pickpocket. Johnny's in love with her. Jenny could get, could care less. She's in it for for herself. She's here to just get you know. Do right by herself because this is a this is a city where being a beautiful woman being a beautiful woman you know can only get you so far and you need to you need to secure something for yourself or else you're going to end up in the streets. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I love this scene. Later that night, there's a house on fire and people are running into the house to grab stuff like to grab goods that they can get before the house burns down. Yeah. And you see two rival gangs of firemen come come by to try to put the fire out, but they fight with each other while the, fi- while the house is on fire. Nobody's dealing with that. Even the firemen have gangs. <laughs> Tribalism. Oh, for, it's crazy. Tweed's firemen come up, and somebody covers the fire hydrant with a barrel. <laughs> he uses the incident to campaign. Tweed's like, you know, vote Tweed, and this won't happen. And another group of firemen arrive, led by Bill. And those two groups start fighting. <laughs> Johnny takes advantage. He grabs Amsterdam. They go into the building to search for valuables. Amsterdam finds some watches. Johnny grabs a music box. A beam falls and traps him in. He calls for Amsterdam, who grabs more jewelry and heads out. But he comes back to save Johnny because he's a good guy. He could have just left him there to die. And frankly, she should have. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't know that yet. So as they're leaving... Somebody removes the barrel from the hydrant and they start putting out the fire. But somebody, I think Tweed says, this one's too too far gone. Let's save the next one. And the next house isn't even on fire yet, but people break in and start stealing shit. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> looting, yeah. There is no law and order in this city. The law and no. order is the guy on the fucking fire hydrant saying, like, go rob that house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So Johnny takes Amsterdam to meet his friends. And they show him everything they stole from the burning building. And then Happy Jack shows up. He was one of the dead rabbits, and he's now a crooked cop. It's John C. Riley, And he takes his tribute. Ugh, this guy really pissed me off, Happy Jack. Uh, I know, dude. I was really hoping for a change of heart. Where, like, me you know, too, me too. I'm a dead rabbit at heart. I can't do this anymore. But no, he's a piece of shit to the bitter end. <laughs> the next day, Amsterdam and Johnny go take the rest of their goods to a pub. Where Bill plays cards. <laughs> Johnny walks up to Bill to give him money, but Amsterdam stays back. He can't look Bill in the eye. And Bill points that out. 
you know, I knew a guy who lied to me. He couldn't look me in the eye. He sees a drawing of his father on the wall. And Bill is like, hey, you, Shifty, back there, who are you? And he introduces himself as Amsterdam. And my hands down favorite line in the movie, Bill says, I'm New York. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That tells you everything you need to know about this son of a bitch. He's New York. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So he tells Johnny how they can make more money. Says, you know, Amsterdam, you know, don't don't be a stranger. But next time, you know, bring something. You can't just you can't come in here unless you bring something. Uh, Later that night, Jimmy, Amsterdam, Johnny, they're rowing through the harbor trying to find a ship. When they board it, they find it's already been robbed. They try to search for anything that can they can find. Amsterdam sees a man dressed in a union uniform coming out with a rifle and a shot's fired. But the man was dying, so it didn't. It went into the air. He gets knifed in the back. Basically, this is a uh, it was a union ship that was already robbed and they they find nothing to steal. So they take the guy's body. Yeah, <laughs> they, they sell it for science. And this is something that really happened in the 1800s. Uh, have you ever heard of Burke and Hare? I don't think so. I don't, they were a, sure. uh, they were a duo in England around this time, around Victorian times, who were selling bodies for cash. But, you know, stumbling upon dead bodies was is rare. And in this line of work, it, you know, behooves oneself to create the own their own supply. So they started murdering people and selling the bodies to science for extra cash. And they started murdering like, you know, first they started with, you know, poor homeless people. But they moved on to people of note and wealthy people who had like money to leave them. And they got caught eventually and were hanged. But. They're like the most famous example of this, and it's a crazy fucking story. They made a movie. Uh, John Landis made a movie about them a few years ago, starring uh, Simon Pegg and Andy Serkis. What was it called? Burke and Hare. Okay, okay. What yeah. the hell? I've never heard of that. That movie. It's a crazy story. Have you seen the movie? <laughs> I have not. I want to. I can't get a hold of it. It was on Netflix for a while, but they took it off. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really random. Yeah, I'm surprised John Landis is even allowed to make movies anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So they sell the body to science. Uh, the newspaper calls them ghouls. But Bill is like, you know, hell of a way to think. You didn't have anything, so you made a buck off what you could. So he's, he's he admires Amsterdam's quick thinking. But Amsterdam's right, I mean, uh, Bill's right-hand man, McGloin, does not agree. And him and Amsterdam start fighting. Amsterdam clearly winning. Bill picks up the, priest, uh, the drawing of priest that fell to the ground. Tells Amsterdam, like, you know who that is? That was the best guy I ever fought. Like, Bill remembers it fondly. Like, you know, those were the days. Oh, it's, yeah, the, the glory days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Bill is now impressed by Amsterdam, and he takes him and Johnny on a tour of the Five Points, while Happy Jack is giving a rich family, the Shermerhorns, a tour. And Monk also greets uh, – he, he walks by, he greets Bill, and uh, pushes up Amsterdam's hat to get a look at his face. Monk knows he's Priest's son. He knows that face. <laughs> Amsterdam come across, comes across Jenny again. She bumps into him and realizes she took his medallion. He follows her onto a streetcar, sees her steal a man's pocket watch using this very smart, like, hand placement dress thing where it looks like her hands are out in front of her, but really those are just gloves and her hands swiping his watch. It was, it was smart. 
<laughs> Ferret, yeah. He, uh, you know, he yanks her aside, says, you know, give me my medallion back. She threatens him, cuts him on the neck, and says, you know, I'll kill you. And he, he's like, go on, do it, knowing she's not going to do it. And she open, she opens her blouse, shows him all the medallions, and he's like, she's like, I don't know which one it is. He takes his, and they start walking. It's like, it's fun. Reminded me very much of The Departed when uh, Costigan is like screaming at Vera Farmiga and is like, so can I get you a coffee? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> Leo is the master at the angry date. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's scream at each other and then, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so you, you want to go, go have some tea? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I want to have some tea. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you remember that on Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. When Mar- Margot Robbie's like, you want to have some tea? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I want to have some tea. <laughs> oh, Leo, you didn't have to sell that one. <laughs> movie is so insane. It really <laughs> is. It's it's absurd. He has so many lines in it that are hilarious, like just jaw-dropping stuff. You gotta, you gotta bring those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Three times a day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that they got McConaughey in that movie just so we can talk about, like, dude, you need to jerk off more and also do this fist thing. That's the whole point. He's there. I love yeah, that's it. it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So Jenny and Johnny attend a public dance. Jenny is seated with her back to the men and is holding a mirror. And she chooses Amsterdam instead of Johnny. Johnny is spurned by this, does not like it, and he does not forget or forgive. She and Amsterdam begin dancing, and they go to the docks where they're going to have sex. And uh, she points out that she got a locket from Bill, and he immediately stops and is like, what did you give him in return? And when he realizes, you know, well, obviously they slept together, he fucks off. He's like, I'm not I'm not sleeping with somebody who slept with Bill. Like, That is a level of hatred that is hard to aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, no, this can't happen. I got to get out of here. Yeah. You've been touched by the butcher. I don't want you in my life. <laughs> like, damn. Uh. So Amsterdam then starts working for Bill. Bill shows him how to hurt or kill people by stabbing them in specific points on a pig's carcass. He's like, that's a that's a wound. That's a kill. That's a kill. Like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. He makes Amsterdam a collector. So when a, when a boxing match is broken up by the police, Amsterdam finds a place outside the city where the cops can't break it up. And Bill is like, you know, look at this kid. You know, he's doing it's a gangster movie. It's all the points of a gangster movie. Yes. And Bill gives him the glory. He's like, you know, this is the guy. This is the guy who fixed the boxing matches. But he sees Jenny leave with Johnny and they go to a theater showing of Uncle Tom's cabin. The audience begins booing the performance and throwing vegetables at the stage. I always wonder about that. Like, who goes to these things with with vegetables? Like, I can't. I really hope this is a terrible place so I can chuck this. Yeah, this delicious, <laughs> this delicious tomato. Yeah. I think that ha- that came up in Batman Returns when a uh, penguin gets pelted by the vegetables and he's like, Yeah, what was yes. to these things? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ugh, so, <laughs> so in the chaos, an assassin tries to get Bill. But Amsterdam stops him. He warns Bill, tackles the guy. Bill gets shot in the shoulder. And Bill is pissed. Like, he go, he hulks the fuck out and <laughs> grabs the guy. And it's like, who sent you? But the guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't speak English. And 
Bill takes another, another favorite line of mine. He grabs a knife. He's like, you see this knife? I'm going to teach you to speak English with this fucking knife. <laughs> and like goes to the guy, but the guy dies. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm going to teach you to speak fucking English. <laughs> yeah. Classic line. <laughs> Amsterdam runs off and is like, what the fuck? Why did I do that? Why did I save him? And Monk finds him and tells him that, you know, hey, priest died helping the Irish, not the natives. Or what, what are you doing? So Monk knows who he is, but he's not willing to help. You know, it's not his war. The war is over. So why bother? Later that night, Bill, Amsterdam, Tweed and other people are drinking in the brothel. Jenny comes by, cleans Bill's wound for him, goes upstairs to her room. Amsterdam follows her, grabs her and they they sleep together. And <laughs> Johnny sees the two of them, runs off. Amsterdam wakes up to find Bill sitting in a chair watching him. And he is wearing a fucking American flag. He's draped in a flag. God damn. And he asks Bill, like, uh, is this okay? Because <laughs> he knows like she was Bill's girl. And Bill's like, hey, whatever you want. You're, you're my guy. You know, you saved my life. You saved the boxing matches. You fuck whatever you want. Like, just... <laughs> and Amsterdam, okay, Bill. he's scared. Like, he thinks Bill's going to fucking jump him. But Bill starts talking about the time he fought Priest for the first time and how Priest Valen spared his life. And in shame, Bill cut out his own eye. <laughs> Jesus. He sent it to Priest. What the fuck? That is not an enemy you want. A guy who's willing to cut his own eye out for a message. <sighs> Jesus. He says, you know, now I'll never look away in shame again. And he describes the day he killed Priest. And Bill says he gained power in the five points through the spectacle of fearsome acts. And he says civilization is crumbling. He's clearly a man tortured by his just boredom. He has he's not he got, you know, he got all the way to the top and there's nowhere else to go. And, he, you know, the, the, the climb is over and he doesn't know how to handle this. He sees promise in Amsterdam. He sees a project, somebody he can mold. So we're, Bill was totally prepping Amsterdam to be his like successor until it was revealed what Amsterdam, who Amsterdam really is. And then yes. it turned something completely different. I love that. Bill. Ugh. So Amsterdam's like, uh, congrats on the victory. And Bill leaves. <laughs> Amsterdam tells Jenny that if she wants to know anything about him, she should ask. She explains how she was uh, she was a prostitute. Uh, she had an abortion and she was carved open. I can't believe she survived that in those times. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I mean, people, you know, battlefield amputations where people had to lose their fingers, they would, people would die from that. But to have a an abortion, like a back alley abortion, abortion in the 1860s, Jesus. crazy. But Bill took her in, and that's why she's kind of devoted to him. She insists that Bill never put his hands on her until she told, said he could. Later that night, Monk sees Amsterdam throwing a dagger into a wooden post, like he's practicing. <laughs> Johnny then goes to talk to Bill before Bill does a public performance, like knife throwing and whatnot. And he tells Bill that Amsterdam is priest's son. That motherfucker, that traitor. <laughs> Piece oh, of shit. The amount of lives that are destroyed because this son of a bitch had to, you know do this like, ugh. 
And Bill is he does not take it well. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. He freaks out, nearly kills Johnny. But he listens. At first, he's like, how dare you? Amsterdam is my guy. How dare you call, you know, lie about him? He defends him. Like Bill loves this kid. Ridiculous. It's weird. You feel kind of a sense of betrayal for Bill. Yeah. Yes. This movie is so brilliantly crafted. You actually feel bad for the bad guy. Like the worst guy, a monster. But you're like, damn, sorry. (laughs) Oh, boy. So Amsterdam walks into the restaurant. He tries to call Johnny, but Johnny ignores him. He sits. Jenny goes over to him. An announcer then comes and tells Bill, you know, hey, you know, perform. Come on, Bill, show us some stuff. And Bill says he's going to do the butcher's apprentice, this act he has. And he asks for Jenny to participate. This was so fucking tense. She I steps know. Onto, it's crazy. She steps onto the stage and Bill starts throwing knives at her. His throws get very close to her and one shot gets her on the neck, nicks her. He then walks to his table, says some words about priest, lifts up his drink of fire. Amsterdam throws a dagger at him. Bill blocks it with a cleaver, drops the drink, fire explodes. And Bill throws a knife at Amsterdam, gets him in the gut. Not a kill, but a wound. Amsterdam is then held down on a table. Bill announces that the son of Priest Valen has returned and is a coward for trying to kill him like that. Bill headbutts him and brands him on the cheek with a hot knife. Crazy. <laughs> he him in front of the entire town. But more than that, he announced to the whole town that he's Priest's son, that somebody has returned. And he probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so Jenny takes Amsterdam away to a cave, nurses him back to health, and he really does not have that bad of a wound, considering he got, you know, hot iron pressed on his face. Yeah. It was actually like, I don't think you could even see a wound. <laughs> Monk visits them and gives, and Amsterdam asks, you know, if you loved my father so much, why'd you rob him? And Monk says to keep this safe, and he gives him Priest's straight razor that still has the dried blood. That's what he took from his pockets at the beginning. Oh, man. Monk always cared. Yes. Yes. Hell yeah. About three months later, after he's recovered, Amsterdam goes to Paradise Square and hangs a dead rabbit on a pole. (laughs) Fucking message. The dead rabbits were outlawed when Bill took power, and... So this is very much a upfront challenge. And Bill gets a hold of the rabbit. Sends, he sends Happy Jack to kill Amsterdam, but Amsterdam kills Jack, hangs him up in the square too. <laughs> Oof. Shit. Intense. Uh, Am- Amsterdam and his Irish people, the, you know, gathering uh, more by the day, find sanctuary in the church. And Bill is a little sad for the loss of Jack, who is an easily corruptible cop. Jimmy tells Bill where to find Amsterdam. And uh, Bill's reluctant to go there and confront him because he's hiding in the church. But Bill, sensing that Jimmy might betray anyone as easily as he betrayed Amsterdam, has Jimmy impaled on the spiked fence in Paradise Square, left for Amsterdam to find him. Well, not Jimmy, Johnny, sorry. Johnny is the one who's impaled. And Amsterdam, you know, mercifully uh, kills him. Frankly, I would have left that son of a bitch to suffer. He he caused this. 
Yeah, yeah. No Bill kidding. would have gone down, no issues, if Johnny just kept his goddamn mouth shut. But nope. So Amsterdam and his men are now dressed in the red of the dead rabbits. They're wearing the uniform now. They're gathering strength. Tweed goes to ask for their help in getting votes. <laughs> Bastard. He makes a deal with them to ele- and said he'll help them elect an Irish sheriff if they'll tell the Irish to vote Tweed. And they choose Monk, who wins the election. And this was so fucked up. We never... Bill just kills Monk day one. I know. <laughs> Throws a fucking cleaver at his back. After Monk suggests, you know, this isn't like the old days, let's go talk. Monk turns around, Bill throws a fucking knife in his back and then takes the club and beats him to death after carving another notch in it. Jesus Christ. And he does this in front of everybody. (laughs) Like, there's no secret here. And at Monk's funeral, Amsterdam, they're walking the body through through the streets and Bill is just standing there, smug as a bug, watching. And Amsterdam says... This is a challenge. And Bill, without hesitation, is like, I accept. Yeah. <laughs> He's been waiting for that. <laughs> He's later like, finally, have... finally, my boy. Yes. <laughs> they later have a meet, the, all the gangs of the city, and they discuss terms. And which is just like, ah, <laughs> fucking dude, I, 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 you know, this is just not going to happen anymore because times have changed forever. And but when they are having that discussion, it is the most like. Big dick <laughs> fucking discussion of all time. And they're like, look, man, we're not using guns. Like, we we both know that this needs to be blood. Like, blood needs to be shed. Bones need to be crushed. Like, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And it's so cool that they're on the same page. <laughs> this is a personal uh, war for, for the soul of the city. And yes. I love that like, Amsterdam says, no, uh, no guns. And Bill's like, good boy. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yes. Well you've, done, you've, lad. you've been taught well. Yes. <laughs> so good. Oh my god. <laughs> Oi. That that scene reminded me so much of like, you know, the the five families sitting down in The Godfather. It's like, you know, yeah. it's the bosses, yes. the people yes. who really run this shit divvying up the, you know, the the loot. Yeah. So the day arrives. Amsterdam cuts himself on the cheek with the, with the razor. If he survives this battle, tetanus is going to get him in the end. He, he looks at Jen, <laughs> he looks at Jenny. Jenny says, you know, he's leaving for she's leaving for San Francisco. She wants him to go with her, but he says, I can't, not yet, not till this is over. And that's when the conscript the uh, conscription act gets enforced. The Union Army is ordered to recruit anybody who can't pay three hundred dollars to get out of the draft. And that includes most of the city because who the hell could pay $300 at a time when, you know, you were happy to get a penny for your day's work. And because of this, a series of riots break out. Crowds start pillaging the streets, burning homes. P.T. Barnum's house of wonders gets cut loose. I love that. P.T. Barnum's just wandering around in this movie. (laughs) Why not? It's crazy. Mind you know, lets you know that this all happened at the same time. People, you yes, know, you don't think about that, but yeah. And uh, they cut the telegraph line so the cops and authorities can't communicate to stop the riots. And Jenny and Jimmy get attacked in the process. Jenny gets like, you know, beaten. Jimmy gets assaulted. And in Paradise Square, the dead rabbits and the natives meet. 
And just as they're about to start brawling, and Bill looks exactly the fucking same. He's wearing the same Red Baron hat, same cleavers. Like, he's been preparing for this for 16 years. Oh, my God. But as they're about to fight, the Navy fires cannons into the five points and blows apart both armies. They don't get their brawl. The army moves into the city, starts firing on the survivors. McGloin gets killed. And in the end, it's only Amsterdam and Bill who are left. And Bill uses the smoke from the cannon <coughs> shots to kind of rush Amsterdam like a fucking ghost. Yeah, like a <laughs> goddamn maniac. Yeah. Cuts him in the leg a couple times. And then Bill gets knocked. Bill and Amsterdam get knocked by another cannon uh, cannonball. Bill pulls a piece of shrapnel from his midsection and says his final words. Thank God I die a true American. Ugh. And Amsterdam's like, fuck you. Stabs him in the chest. Gets Bill. Jenny finds him, and that night they mourn all the friends they lost in the draft riots, which have finally settled down. After three nights of just straight-up riots, Tweed's upset because he lost so many votes. All those dead Irish. Bastard. <laughs> and this was brilliant. Bill is uh, he, he's buried next to Priest in a Brooklyn cemetery that looks out on the Manhattan skyline. Amsterdam is there with Jenny. He buries his father's straight razor on top of the grave. And he remarks in a voiceover that a city like New York will continue to grow. And that he and his friends and enemies might never be remembered and synced to you two's the hands that built America. You see that the skyline of New York City grow over the centuries as the graves disintegrate. And it, they really are forgotten. And this was um, filmed right before 9-11. So the Twin Towers are prominent. And when this came out, this was a movie that was celebrating the culture and history of New York. So I'm very glad they didn't cut that out. Yeah, no, because it is a very powerful. Um, yeah, it's almost enlightening the way that that narration that it's done. It's a really nice touch at the end of the movie Beautiful. to remind you that the, the, these stories need to be told because we will forget. Yeah, straight up. I give Gangs of New York a solid nine. It's an incredible film yeah. led by a same, terrifying same. Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Tells an engaging story that's never boring. I love it to death. Yeah, same. I, 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 yeah, it's close to a ten, man. I think it's uh, maybe a couple uh, different performances away from from being like a, a damn near perfect movie. Hell yeah, man. So that's all for this week, listeners. Hope you enjoyed the Scorsese double feature. Next week we're getting creepy and topical with Twenty Eight Days Later. Until then, yes. Remember that every American has the blood of an immigrant, so don't be a racist dick. Maybe if we were all a bit more decent to one another, shit like the draft riots and the Five Point Gang Wars would never have happened. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Life is quick. Don't be a dick. Peace. Mm-hmm.